You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome to this episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Guys, I'm back. It's great to be back and I'm not going anywhere anymore. Welcome back, Mithila. Yes, you better not go anywhere. We missed you while you were away. <laughs> and uh, hi, guys. Hi, everyone. It's 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 an, it's a rare off weekend of Formula One. Yeah, Kunal, we've had nine races in 11 weeks and time has just been flying by. Yes, uh, it absolutely has. You know, uh, like it's already been a week since Mugello. And it certainly doesn't feel like, you know, Formula One resumed racing only 12 weeks ago. But guys, it isn't only the nine races that we are celebrating in 2020. Mithila, congratulations are in order. And I wish you on behalf of all our listeners, you've delivered a beautiful baby girl called Antara. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, guys, she was born on the 31st of August. And thank you all so much for your wishes. And in fact, you know, you all should know she was born a few hours after Spar. Uh, the Belgian Grand Prix and uh, she actually watched the races in Monza and Mugello in case anyone was wondering so she's already been introduced to the sport. She's uh, she's actually watched two of the best races in recent times so that's not a bad start to her Formula 1 journey or career if I may call it. Lucky her. Uh, but guys in this episode we have some really interesting topics to talk about. We're going to talk about Formula 1's 200 million dollar prize entry barrier. And we're going to discuss why this is good and if it's a barrier at all. Could Charles Leclerc go the Sebastian Vettel way at Ferrari? I'd love to discuss this, you know, given Ferrari's lack of form and the long recovery road ahead. It's about who will actually lose their patience first. Will it be Leclerc or Ferrari? Lewis Hamilton's 91st win in Formula 1. It could be just around the corner. And you know what? We're briefly going to celebrate the inevitable. And we'll discuss a few comparisons between Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher's dominance in Formula One, two of the most iconic uh, sportsmen that have, you know, braced the sport, I would say. But anything else on the agenda for today? Yeah, Kunal, uh, you know, there are all these rumours about Kimi Raikkonen's contract extension with Alfa Romeo for 2021. As you can imagine, I've been tracking that very closely. Uh, So I think I'd love to share some of the Raikkonen bits and pieces that I've been gathering in the past few weeks. Right, so before we get started with this episode, here's a big thank you to Lucien for his tunes. The catchy opening and closing tunes of the Inside Line F1 podcast have been composed by Lucien for several seasons. I think before even Lance Stroll made his debut, literally, if that's the comparison I could make, given how Lance has been, you know, he almost scored a back-to-back podium, uh, you know, at the races in Italy. But 
you guys can actually go and hear Lucian's music on Bandcamp. Thank you, Lucian. And also, guys, exciting news. We're actually in third place in the sports category uh, on Spotify podcasts. And this is in some of our key markets. So thank you so much for your listens and your reviews. And thank you for putting us up there. It's such a bummer that you can't review us on Spotify because that's how their platform is. But... You guys can review us wherever else you Everywhere want. Everywhere else. And uh, also, a big shout out to Anuja and Jack. Uh, they're in London. And guys, we're really glad that the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast is part of your Formula 1 experience. So keep racing, keep watching. Yes, yeah, so that's it for our formation lap. Let's get started. Let the five lights illuminate. Right, so I'm going to get started talking about the 200 million prize money entry barrier that Formula 1 announced uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And this is for any new team that wishes to join the sport. Uh, this means that, you know, a new team not only has to invest in the infrastructure and personnel, they have to pay a $200 million, uh, you know, entry fee, so to say. Uh, and basically, it's $20 million into 10 teams. That's the that's the logic. And in my view, this is another brilliant step, uh, uh, you know, by Liberty Media. It's uh, safeguarding the existing teams uh, in, in Formula One. And uh, I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and you know, I think it's like they're doing all they can to ensure only serious buyers come forward and not buyers with a short-term view. Uh, and uh, That means I... I can't keep announcing every third episode. We're going to start a Formula 1 team. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like now we have a budget cap in the sport. We have a more equitable prize money distribution. And now added to it all, there's um, $200 million entry barrier. So there's a lot happening. Yes, and if you if you are one of those who belongs to the camp that thinks that such a prize money entry barrier is prohibitive or restrictive for new teams to join the sport, you know, I urge you to take a bigger take a look at the bigger picture, the one that Mithila just explained. And also literally just ask yourself if it's the idea of the prize money entry barrier or the amount that you're not agreeing with. Because a lot of people who wrote to me to discuss this topic told me that, hey, we are okay with the idea that there is an entry barrier, but they thought that $200 million was too high a number. I think, Kunal, the other thing to remember is that Formula One is doing this to ensure that the grid doesn't drop below, you know, the 10 existing teams. I mean, they're doing all they can to safeguard the the current teams. And I think this is very important for two reasons. So firstly, we know there are no new teams, you know, in the immediate uh, short-term horizon. The harsh truth. Yeah, and frankly, we've all known that for a while, right? So, um, you know, this makes the second reason all that more, uh, you know, more important to not lose any of the existing teams. And I think we can all think of, what, two or three teams that have been on the brink of quitting the sport for a while now? Yes, quitting or being forced out or going bankrupt and and whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, for the first time in 70 years of Formula One, and we are celebrating 70 years of Formula One in 2020, literally every team on the grid will now be valuable year on, you know, and not just say Ferrari or, you know, a few of the other marquee teams as we've, you know, seen in Formula One. And uh, I think this new structure makes sure that just serious team owners find their way in the sport. And it also encourages, you know, car companies or other investors to actually partner with an existing team, then start something of their own. So it it, it will all eventually help build competitiveness. Yeah, that's so true. Because, you know, in uh, Bernie Eccleston's time, Formula One had a structure in place, you know, where a new team paid a deposit of sorts 
to the sport and then you know this money was paid back over a period of time so the new structure kind of comes in place of this and uh, you know what kunal i think we should make a list of teams that are actually available you know for such a partnership at this very moment so there's williams of course then there's haas and i'm guessing perhaps even alpha tauri Yes, yeah, so for all of you guys who were listening but did not make an investment into a Formula One team up until now, we've literally told you that thirty percent of the grid is available, and I think that's pretty significant a number. Like, if you were to look at an industry and be like, "Hey, there is thirty percent of an opportunity available for me to go and invest in," I think that's pretty sizable. Not a bad deal at all. And can you imagine how lucky Gene Haas has been specifically? Because you know he's been on the brink of leaving, and now suddenly the value of him staying has just. shot up exponentially yes and I, you know when i think of it that way the unluckiest person would then be vijay malia because he must just be wondering like what if i just held on to force india for a couple of more seasons literally what 18 months 20 months ago when the whole fiasco happened true but uh, anyway to summarize and to sort of move on uh, you know formula 1 teams are uh, finally being treated as franchises of the sport it's just the way how it's in other sports and other series as well and guys as much as you all think formula 1 is a sport let's not forget it's motor sport that's a sport and formula 1 is the most high profile series in that sport and uh, i think it's a fair price to pay 200 million dollars you know if one wants to race in a series alongside you know iconic brands like ferrari mercedes and the likes and look at it this way for you know anyone looking to make the investment it's like paying a fee to enter an exclusive members only club very nice kunal i thought you would end your whole summary with helmets off to liberty media you know <laughs> <laughs> you love that line don't you so basically you're disappointing me and all our listeners so just please say it yes okay so helmets off to liberty media Ooh. one more time <laughs> i have no more helmets to take off now i've literally taken off all my helmets so but uh, okay guys this is where i'd like to also say we told you so because like i said you know 15 18 months ago we've been saying how this is the right time to invest in a formula 1 team and it seems that we weren't wrong in our assessment mithila that's true and you know now after what a few minutes of really serious discussion uh, kunal i think i'm going to move because uh, we've been saying we told you so for several episodes and i'm sure our <laughs> listeners are sick of that and i'm going to bring up some of the fun stuff from my notes okay so let's go yes and if you hear any fun sounds apart from mithila and me on the podcast it's antara who's guys we have a, a newborn <laughs> baby with us in the studio so we thought it's not just enough to expose her to the formula 1 races she should also start early on the podcast So please welcome her. Here she is. Welcome Antara. Yes, welcome, but let's go girl. on. Anyway, Mijello, Kunal, what a brilliant, amazing super race. I think it was also the first race of 2020 where fans were allowed in the grandstands. Yes. And uh, ticket prices they were halved in the build up to the event. Yes. And uh, Kunal, I just hope that our listeners in Italy got You know more than their money is worth in Mugello. <laughs> It was quite an epic race. You, you know, I said this in the last uh, episode with Somil, and I will say it again. You know, the Italian team has failed to entertain in 2020, so the Italian races have decided to take up the responsibility to entertain all of us. So even the race in Monza was an absolutely fun race to watch. That's a nice way of putting it. And in fact, Ferrari, it was their 1000th Grand Prix start at Mugello and of course they were being filmed by Netflix. 
So I'm really going to look forward to that Netflix episode. Uh, but Kunal, can you imagine what if it was Monza that was their thousandth race star and they were being filmed in Monza? I mean, Ferrari had a double DNF. It was their home race. And it was a very embarrassing brake line failure for Sebastian Vettel. You know, if you ask me, Ferrari were embarrassed in Mugello too because Charles Leclerc literally went backwards after the restart. And Kimi Raikkonen was the highest finisher among all Ferrari-powered cars. Of course, he had penalties, which is why he was classified lower than Charles. But, uh, okay, so we've got Russia coming up this weekend. And we'll get into specifics uh, of the Russian Grand Prix in our Pits to Podium segment that I will host later in the week, uh, you know, with Sawmill. So, you know, look forward to that episode as well, guys. Yeah, and Russia, there are going to be 30,000 fans in attendance in the stands. And guys, if any of y'all are attending, please be careful. Please maintain distance, wear your mask and enjoy the race. Uh, But Kunal, I'm not done talking about the Italian races, actually. Uh, Pierre Gasly, it was such a delight to see him on the podium. And in fact, one of our listeners, Parag Shetty, uh, he sent us these really awesome insights, which I'm going to read out. So all of Formula 1's newest winners won their maiden Grand Prix with a winning margin of less than one second. Incredible, right? Yes, incredible. Uh, So there's Verstappen, Spain 2016. He won by finishing six tenths ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. That's how close it was. And Valtteri Bottas, Russia 2017. He won by finishing six tenths (laughs) ahead of... Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc, Belgium 2019. He won by finishing, what, just under a second ahead of Lewis Hamilton. I like how you've written down, like, who won, which race, what year, how many seconds, and yes. Yes, meticulous note-taking. And finally, of course, we know Pierre Gasly, Monza 2020. He won just four tenths ahead of signs. Very, very close indeed. Incredible. Thanks for reading them out. And thank you very much for these statistics, Parag. We absolutely love them. I look forward to receiving them, you know, on our WhatsApp group. But uh, I have, of course, one more thing which Formula One has put out, you know. So nine races have seen nine podium finishers in 2020, which is fantastic for Formula One. Because, you know, literally given the pace of uh, Hamilton, Bottas and Max Verstappen, I thought we'll have a record number of podiums shared by these this trio. but Yeah, right? Very interesting. Yeah, and I would have never imagined that nine podium finishers would, you know, would be there in the first nine races uh, in, in 2020. But uh, also, I wouldn't have imagined if the, that Lance Stroll would have made it to the podium before Sebastian Vettel. Shocking! <laughs> yes. And the other stat I would have never imagined is that Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, he's, he's finished 10th. In three races, he's finished only 10th in three races and he scored points in just five out of the nine races held this season. He's, also shocking. <laughs> yes. And he's 13th in the Drivers' Championship. He's out of contention and out of the headlines, unfortunately. Yeah, but Kunal, that's not exactly true out of the headlines, I'd say. I'd say Sebastian Vettel is in the headlines, just not for the reasons that he would have probably wanted. I mean... Uh, he is, of course, on his way to Aston Martin. And, you know, we already know. We've talked about that before. But actually, that reminds me, I would totally bet that at least one more driver will finish on the podium in 2020. So we'll have 10... uh, That's what Formula One's been asking as well. Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be? I think I'm going to put my money on Sergio Perez, actually. Um, That he's going to be the 10th driver to finish on the podium in 2020. I hope so, for his sake. For his sake, for given how he's been treated. You know, he missed two races thanks to COVID. Go out with a bang. He's he's helped the team resurrect, not lose, you know, not not go bankrupt. And now he's lost his drive in a very unceremonial way, I would say. 
and uh, i would love to see you know sergio perez so i sometimes get you know checo perez sergio perez but anyway uh if to see him on the podium but uh, another stat that i remember uh and this is of course in favor of perez i i made a note to you know read it out to you guys so there are only two drivers who have finished every race that they have participated in in the points and that's lewis hamilton and Sergio Perez and that's how bloody consistent he's always been that's incredible and kunal i just hope that aston martin gets more than sebastian vettel's like uh, brand value and his humor in 2021 <laughs> so i really hope they extract a lot more and in fact uh, i absolutely loved um, vettel's gorilla move i would say on ferrari he announced his move to aston martin on ferrari's 1000th grand prix weekend I was so fond of that yeah. and I I love this whole cheeky stuff doesn't Very matter cheeky. who does it but uh, two other news related to Vettel that you know are in my notes first his radio message in Mugello I'm sure none of you all missed it I think it was the restart when he asked saying how many races left instead of you know wanting to ask how many laps left in the race <laughs> and I think we all know uh, you know why we liked that particular radio message okay and the the second news uh, regarding vettel is that uh, you know vettel claimed that uh, he wanted to purchase the f2004 the iconic michael schumacher ferrari uh, but it was very expensive and i think this was an insight into explaining why you know vettel uh, purchased the williams fw14b and not the f2004 yeah i'm sure ferrari were like they were in no mood to give him a discount or in no mood to give him a ferrari at all <laughs> you know unfortunately But uh, let's take the next few minutes to discuss how Charles Leclerc could go the Sebastian Vettel way at Ferrari and this is what Mark Webber said a few days ago and in fact I'm glad that somebody has highlighted this very fact right now. Yeah and I'm I'm wondering who's going to get impatient first if the results don't come soon is it going to be Leclerc or Ferrari I mean let's remember Mick Schumacher will be you know hovering around basically waiting for a promotion to ferrari and kunal i'm wondering who he would replace would it be signs or leclerc let's just hope that other teams get competitive enough so that good talent isn't lost in formula 1 uh just because you know a, a bloody good team has consistently failed from delivering a good car so i wasn't being as direct for obvious reasons my point is it would be such a shame if charles was to go the sebastian fettel way given the whole hype around him and you know given how he's the next world champion who's going to next driver bringing a world championship to ferrari and so on right so it's it's like uh, there's there's way too many good drivers who who've lost their way in formula 1 thanks to ferrari and this could just happen to leclerc or or signs you know who knows that's true and i'd also add that you know in the case of leclerc or signs actually they've not achieved as much you know as say alonso or raikkonen or vettel to you know find a safe seat after the stint with ferrari that is so true and you know this this phase we're talking about could come way earlier than expected it could literally be 2023 when we're talking about this you know but uh, I think I'm going to bookmark this episode. It's the 354th episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. Because I think we've just ended up discussing a very real future possibility or a threat to either Leclerc or Sainz or both those drivers and their careers in Formula 1. Indeed and uh, Kunal I want to move uh, on to talking about Haas actually. So Gunther Steiner said that they are in talks with wait for this 
up to 10 drivers for a seat in 2021. Can you believe that? Yes, that's crazy, but that's... 10 that's, drivers! That's, that's how the driver's market is. It's so ripe. It's just insane. And, okay, let's make a list of 10 possible drivers that Haas could be speaking to. I'm going to pick the easier one, the most obvious ones. There's uh, Kevin Magnussen, Roman Groschon, their existing drivers, Checo Perez and Nico Hulkenberg. Four drivers easily. Obvious, yes. Yeah, the other two could be Pietro Fittipaldi and uh, Luis Teletras. You know, they're test drivers. And they might not be like the most serious candidates given, you know, that there's a major rule change expected in, you know, 12-15 months time. But that's the easy six names I can guess. To add, I think Kunal, uh, maybe Mick Schumacher and Robert Schwartzman could be the other two. So that takes the tally up to eight drivers. And, um, you know, I feel that Haas could opt for like an Alfa Romeo type model, you know. Wield one experienced driver and, and, you know, give the other seat to a Ferrari junior. The ninth yeah. driver, in my view, could be Robert Kubica. He brings money. He brings experience. So why not? Again, just so that we make the list of 10 drivers available. And uh, I think what you said about the Ferrari Junior driver deal, that is probably the way they will go because it will bring them some some discounts on their you know cost toward towards Ferrari's technology. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, let's see who lands up there, you know. Uh, honestly, there are a fair bit of uh, cockpits available for 2021. And uh, like Steiner has been saying all along, the choice for next season is going to be dictated by the team's choice for 2022, actually, because they would look for continuity and all of that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, if uh, you are an Eco Hulkenberg fan, just like I am, it might just be that it's a bit tougher for him to make a comeback to Formula One, given that Checo Perez is suddenly available and that uh, Kimi Raikkonen might just decide to continue. Yeah, I mean, there are so many rumours around Kimi Raikkonen staying on in Formula 1. and But Kural, frankly, I am not celebrating just yet because Raikkonen has consistently surprised us. I'm just going to enjoy the season. I'll do, uh, although, um, you know, hoping that he stays on next season. But, like, it's his last. Yes. By the way... After his famous steering wheel radio message, you know, a few years ago, Kimi Raikkonen added tire blankets to the fun at Monza. It was hilarious. I'm sure you guys saw that video where Kimi was, you know, obsessed with his tire blankets. <laughs> yeah, but where are those tire blankets? I told you before, where are those but tire where blankets? where are they, Kunal? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a twi- a twi- Twitter user AMJ Formula 1 tweeted another interesting observation around Kimi Raikkonen. This was from the last three races, okay? And I'm going to read it out because I wrote it down and it's really interesting. So at Spa, we know that Antonio Giovinazzi crashed. At Monza, we know that Charles Leclerc crashed at the Parabolica. At Mugello, we know that several drivers in the midfield crashed during the restart. Now, in all of these incidents, the driver or the drivers who crashed, you know, were immediately ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. Iceman powers, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That is kind of crazy. But it's such a crazy view to watching all these incidents and saying, who is the driver behind him? Oh no, again, who is the driver behind him? But hats off to AMJ Formula 1. Please keep up the good work. Absolutely. Uh, Kunal, it's time for closing notes, actually. We've been talking for a while. And uh, you know what? We're going to talk about Lewis Hamilton's 91st win in Formula 1. I think it's to be expected either at Sochi or Nürburgring. I mean, stretching it further would be too far-fetched. I mean, just (laughs) given the form that he's in. But yes, Lewis Hamilton will eventually, you know, match and beat 
all of Michael Schumacher's all-time records in Formula One. Inevitable. Unfortunate. Oh my God. But yeah. why not? And I understand that, you know, his domination might be boring for a lot of people or it, it might be quite a personal thing for a lot of Michael Schumacher fans. But guys, we are watching history being made. So just enjoy it. That is absolutely true. And it's better to embrace and accept than to sort of live in denial. You know, you can look back and tell your kids and grandkids that, hey, I saw Lewis Hamilton create history. I saw Mercedes create history. I saw Ferrari fail while creating history and so on. So great stories as it is in Formula One. But uh, let's get into comparisons between Hamilton and Michael Schumacher because these this storyline is uh, going to come up over the next few weeks. We're going to see the British press literally press on ahead with saying how Lewis is the best driver in Formula One. I'm going to keep away from all comparisons because I think they're a little too far-fetched, especially, you know, for drivers, you know, from different eras and generations, uh, you know. But uh, it's it's probably better to just celebrate the fact that, you know, they're able to deliver magic lap after lap. It doesn't matter what generation they belong to. Yeah, Kunal, I think I'm just going to leave all these lengthy explanations for you. <laughs> for me, I'm just going to say that Lewis Hamilton has won his races in a far... Uh, I would say superior environment than Michael Schumacher did. Like Mercedes, they have redefined the operations of a Formula One team in the modern era. And I think that's easy for everyone to see. And I think after watching like Alonso, Raikkonen and Vettel struggle to win titles at Ferrari, uh, the stature of Schumacher's achievements with Ferrari has only gone higher. Thank you. Yes, I, I so agree with that. And uh, okay, but moving on, uh, it has been reported that Lewis Hamilton has stopped driving combustion engine cars and has switched to using only electric cars, right? And we already know of his investment in the Extreme E series that, you know, he made a couple of weeks ago. So frankly, I'd love to see Lewis Hamilton race in Formula E. I know we have an episode before where we've said, could Lewis Hamilton be the first ever Formula One and Formula E champion in the time to come. I think that would be another super headline for Lewis Hamilton and his talent and his, you know, rock star status. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, honestly, to achieve that. I mean, just like I wouldn't put it past Alonso and Renault to ask for a chance to test at uh, the Young Drivers Test later in the year at Abu Dhabi. So cheeky, right? So cheeky. And I was like, wow, this is so typically Fernando Alonso. You know, the, the ruthlessness of why we love him or hate him, but definitely can't ignore him. Like, he wants to drive the Renault and he will create whatever opportunity he can to make it happen, whether it's straightforward or not. That's so well put, right? Straightforward or not. But that's what, you know, separates them, the legends from the regular drivers, I would say. But talking on one driver who's, you know, on, on his way to becoming a legend in Formula 1, we don't know how soon or with which team, but the fact is he will become a legend. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Max Verstappen. Uh, it is just so strange that Verstappen has suffered from Honda's worst reliability among the four drivers that they power, right? So he had two back-to-back retirements in Monza and Mugello. And of course, that has impacted his driver's championship challenge against Vantry Bottas. And finally, so our guys McLaren has decided to sell and lease back their iconic headquarters at Walking. Kunal, I'm wondering if Lawrence and uh, Toto Wolf have actually taken this rare weekend off, uh, you know, in their calendars. And they're going to prepare a bit, actually, <laughs> for the headquarters. Well, I think 
Toto Wolf must be busy preparing Lewis Hamilton's contract extension because that's something that both parties said they would look to finish off during this rare break in Formula One. Rare break indeed. And guys, on that note, thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode, actually. It's been a while since I've been in the studio, so I enjoyed I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed talking. <laughs> and uh, y'all can check out our Pits to Podium segment with Somal and Kunal later on in this week. They're going to tell you five things to look forward to at the 2020 Russian Grand Prix. And one of them is going to be whether Bernie Eccleston will visit the race to meet his old friend Vladimir Putin. Yeah, and guys, I know that it's Russia, but there are always a few stories to look forward to every weekend. (laughs) And we tell you exactly what they could be. So on that note, adios, keep racing and stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.